you know, for the last decade, we, we've had to care about all these underlying plumbing things, right? Kubernetes or it's AWS or whatever it was. I think we're now seeing this sort of new generation, which is I'm going to set up a Shopify store, which will take me two clicks. That Shopify store will use Twilio to communicate with people. It'll use whatever it is for getting your credit card information. Like They'll think of these things which are built on top of the cloud and have global scale and are one API away. They won't even think to be like, I wonder how they work under the covers. They'll just be like, that's what everybody uses. And that's what I found on Stack Overflow as the you know 10 most common examples. Or I found this in somebody. Like, that's the next things that we're seeing is, you know, they're going to treat those things the way that people treated Heroku 10 years ago. Hello, everybody. Good morning and welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. Hi, Paul. Hi, Sarah. What? We're doing it again. We're doing it again. Yeah. You believe it? Oh, look at us. Look at us. Here we are. It's episode 300 a while back, but I wonder if it's episode 100 for the, the three of us. I'll have to look up that anniversary and we'll celebrate it. Yeah. Even if it was two months ago, we should celebrate it. <laughs> yeah. We can circle back. We, we Sometimes you forget important anniversaries, but you can just apologize. Yes. So we have a great guest with us today, Brian Graceley, who is the director of product strategy at Red Hat and host of the Cloudcast, a podcast all about the cloud. Welcome, Brian. Welcome. Hi to, hi to all of you. Yeah, good to be on. Thanks for having me. Hello. 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 So does the director of product strategy work on all the products? So I pro- primarily focus on the ones that, that we would consider to be like cloud computing. So I don't focus on Linux. Uh, I focus on things that are like Kubernetes and building new applications, um, stuff Ooh. like Java and those types of things. Yeah, API gateways. Brian, what do you do all day? What do I do all day? Oh, wow. Somebody asked me the other day if, if what I do is make one giant PowerPoint at the beginning of the year and then just sort of like yeah. you know, go to go to hockey games and, and uh, cocktail parties and stuff, which that sounded uh, way that's better. that's a job I want. That sounded that way better great. than my day job. I'll tell you that because in my own life, people could make that assumption as well. Like just like, oh, this again. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> okay, so so I'm assuming you don't just make one big PowerPoint at the end. Of, so, like, you know, it's morning. Where do you start? What do you do? Yeah, so my my typical day is, you know, even probably pre-pandemic, you know, it's, it's a little bit of wake up and, and figure out what's going on. So it might be check Twitter for a little while, see if there's trends. It's a lot of it's a lot of reading in terms of, you know, oh, that's what right. that's work. Twitter's work. That's right. Everybody needs to know that. Right. It's it's uh, what you do before breakfast. But yeah, it's. It's trying to figure out what's coming next. It's a little bit of, you know, are, are certain trends actually making any sense, right? So it's figuring out things like, you know, four or five years ago, people talked about uh, Bitcoin and blockchain and you're like, okay, do those apply to anybody? Will they go anywhere? It's figuring out, do our customers care? Like, do they have these problems, right? Like I, I use this this joke all the time. Like we tend to work on this technology called Kubernetes, which started this, this Google open source project. It kind of you know, gained a lot of sort of popularity and lots of community support and so forth. But a lot of times I go out and I get a chance to talk to our customers and and I'll go, look, I almost can guarantee that not one of you woke up this morning and said, I have a Kubernetes problem, right? Like you you wanted to make money, you wanted to satisfy what you you know, do with your customers. Well, pl- plenty of people wake up every day and say, I have a Kubernetes problem. <laughs> but they may, <laughs> they may have a problem. Yeah, after the fact, they're like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> yeah. No, but yes, you know, there's a whole 
class of problems in technology. And actually, this is also, also where enterprise software, like Salesforce is a great example. It buys Slack and everybody's like, what the hell is Salesforce, right? And if you know what Salesforce is, you're like, it's Salesforce. And then someone's like, well, can you explain it to me? And you're like, it's Salesforce, it's, you know? And it's, and it's, right? and it, well, it's a natural and like, resource at this point. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, what does it do? And you're like, well, it has 360. Like, I mean, it, it's just, it, it, these things are their own world, right? And right. when you're in them, they, they can make sense. But when you're outside, you actually don't understand the problem domain. Actually, that's a great, like, can you define the problem domain that Kubernetes actually seeks to address? Like, if I'm, if I'm really just trying to wrap my head around this in a very broad sense, what, what would you say? I think the way I explain it to people is is sort of two things. One, if you want to manage a whole bunch of computers, a whole bunch of servers as if they're like one server, Kubernetes does that, right? So in the in the same way that you used to say, look, I have one server, it needs an operating system, and I kind of maintain that thing and manage it. If I want to manage a whole bunch of them because the application I have or the applications we have need a bunch of servers, but they needed to sort of look like one. Kubernetes is good at that. The other thing Kubernetes is potentially good at, and this is where you get into, do people really have this problem, is Kubernetes is one of these things that says, no matter where I run, it's going to look consistent. So what that comes into play in terms of a problem is, we have a lot of customers who say, look, I have applications today that live in our local data center. They've been there for four years, five years, 20 years, whatever it's been. And that public cloud thing looks really appealing do we want to run stuff in the public cloud as opposed to our data centers? And for some set of customers or some set of companies, the idea of moving to the cloud, if I could do that without having to like change everything I know, that's potentially appealing. For a different set of companies, they go, no, 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 moving to the cloud is the equivalent of like moving out of my house and not taking everything out of the attic. I don't want to drag anything with me. I'm perfectly fine learning something new. But for those who want to be somewhat consistent, Kubernetes kind of helps solve that problem too. When I think of Kubernetes, I think a lot about the Heroku instance, like Heroku, right? Where you're like a startup, you have five people, you don't have the infrastructure to scale, you don't know something might happen, you might have a million users tomorrow, that would be awesome, you can scale up really fast. When I think of Kubernetes, I think, okay, that means I don't need to have a DevOps team, it makes it a lot easier. But for me, thinking about that use case, I see a lot of enterprise companies uh, approaching Kubernetes and thinking about it as their future. What is the problem statement there? What Besides all our data lives in some guy's house in Ohio, we want to put it in the cloud. <laughs> Why is Kubernetes the answer for these larger companies? Yeah. So, and, and your comparison to Heroku was great. So Heroku was- A Salesforce product, by the way. Who a Salesforce, <laughs> exactly. Right? Everything becomes a Salesforce product. Uh, it's, so woof. it's just, it's coming for its- One this, of those laws of physics. This podcast yep. will be owned yep. by Salesforce before we're done recording. Uh, <laughs> keep going, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. So Heroku. So, so Heroku was great if the thing you were trying to build, you said, look, we're going to build it in this, this one language. And I believe if I remember right- Heroku was primarily around Ruby. So if, if you loved writing in Ruby, I think that was, I hope I didn't get that wrong. It originally was, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was. And, I mean, it's lots of things now, but yeah. Right, it's lots yeah. of things now. And you said, look, my application is going to kind of follow those those 12 factor principles, right? Like the way I want to write it is stateless and I'm not going to you know, maintain any data local. Like if the opinions about how you write your application fit what Heroku did, Heroku was perfect because it was like, All I want to do is write code. I just want to push it. I want to get all the operations out of the way, let it take care of things for me. 
And that was that was like an awesome way of writing applications. Or orthodox web architecture, right? Like yeah. Like super scalable if you follow these rules and right. and we'll take it from there. Right. And the reason the Kubernetes and containers, so like if you if you went back historically, like the first thing that kind of came along was was people said, Oh, here's this thing called Docker. And and Docker, the, the big thing Docker did was it said, you can use any language you want. So some of the early Heroku type things were kind of language limited. And it said, you know, if you want to package all your dependencies together and and sort of, you know, keep them in one place, great, right? Like you could do that. And then Kubernetes came along and said, well, if you want to do lots of Dockers, I can help you scale it. The real reason if you get to like, what's a real problem that it solves is a lot of companies or a lot of developers said, I would have liked to use the Heroku thing. In fact, I still love the idea of like, I want to write my code and I want everything else to get out of my way. It's just my code or my application doesn't always look exactly like that, right? Like I might want different language support. I may want to intermingle a stateful application. I may I may want to have sort of a unique way of scaling it that I sort of have control over. And that's kind of the void that Kubernetes and, and Docker and those things filled was if you want to have a little more control over what you're doing, this is going to do it. Now, the flip side of that is, you know, anytime you give people access to a bunch of nerd knobs, they sort of nerd out on them and nerd potentially knobs, potentially like cre- <laughs> potentially create some more complexity. So, you know, it's it's sort of that trade-off of do you want it super simple but you're always going in a straight line or do you want a little more flexibility? You know, I want to go back to something you said earlier because it, it really stuck in my mind because I, I remember before I got into this industry and as I was kind of coming up the ranks, I always assumed there were these pools of secret knowledge and you could be, <laughs> if you were inside of a big company, you would have access to like the ultimate secret news about how things were going. And you wake up and check Twitter to learn what's happening in the world of containers and otherwise, right? Like, yeah. and we all do. You know, I mean, you, you certainly, if you're Google, you have a, a set of statistics or, you know, same with Facebook that other people don't have. But Ultimately, this is all just kind of happening out in the open and you're you're figuring out your customers the same way everybody else is, just kind of listening to what they complain about. Yeah, it's that and and there's a certain amount of things that happen in our industry and, and you all probably see this is, you know, there are bubbles that that we live in. So for so for <laughs> example, and, and this is no sort of, you know, knock on any of them, but like if you live exclusively like in the Silicon Valley or if you live in Seattle or whatever, your take is there are no other companies in the world that don't operate the way that we do, right? There's no idea, there's no concept of like somebody owning their own data center. There's no idea of somebody having an application that's older than two years old. And then you kind of get outside of those bubbles, you you deal with things like, oh, I'm talking to an insurance company who takes, you know, six months to be able to give their developers resources, and that's not unusual. Or I'm working with a government agency who, because of the high level of work they do, nothing they do can be connected to the internet. And so you start realizing like, oh, wow, there's a lot of variation in the world. And you're trying to get a sense of, you know, I have a finite amount of resources. There's only so much technology. Do I go after everything and spread it thin like peanut butter? Do I go after certain things, you know, really heavily? And that's that's sort of a unique thing. And that's that's where you sort of are trying to figure things out. It's just like, is the big trend going in direction to the right or to the left or somewhere in the middle? And you're just trying to sort out what what do I do on any given day? Yeah. Have any of you read uh, the the three body problem? Have you ever read that piece of science sure. fiction? One of my favorites. So yeah, so you know, the, there's all these comparisons to like naval battles, where it's like if I start turning now in an hour, I'll have turned the amount I need to do this. But if I turn the other way, 
Then I have these other options. You're trying to like predict things, you know, into the future, all the different possible paths and with all these battleships turning slowly. Or they talk about technology all the time. Like what kind of engine should we be working on if in 200 years, you know, we need to meet these aliens? Right. So I feel like not, not to say that governments and large enterprises are aliens, but they are battleships that turn slowly. And so trying to make the right You're prediction. also dealing with the fact that you're, these are things that were created for the tech industry to deal with its own needs. Yep. And then you're trying to spread that way of working out into the world. And like the world does not work like the tech industry. Government's a perfect example. Like maybe it's not connected to the internet. Maybe there's a complicated set of con contracting requirements, you know, or I, I've been in those same environments where it's just like, yeah, it takes about three months for someone to get their development environment all set up. And you're like, whoa, that could be three minutes. But right, right. And in the yeah. meantime, you can read the three body <laughs> problem. Yeah, you really, yeah. that actually, no, no, like there are plenty of environments in which developers sit and read while they wait for resources to come online that they can then use. I mean, it, it actually is that ridiculous, right? It sounds like a nice meditation. Right. It used to be. That's now wild. everybody just feels bad. Yeah, you're like, I should have been working on my side projects. Yeah. And, those and those folks are no different than, than the rest of I mean, like, Look, we all wake up at some point, like on January 1st and go, you ready your resolutions and, and, you know, half the world goes like, I'd, I'd like to get healthier. Yeah, that's great. And maybe you do it buying a diet book and maybe you do it by, you know, buying a mirror or a Peloton or whatever. Like there's a million ways to solve the same problem. It's like, are you motivated to do it? Does it really benefit you at all? That, I mean, the people that work in technology in some of those places aren't sitting around going, how slow can I be? How bureaucratic could I be? They're just like this is kind of the world that I live in. And, you know, they're trying to figure out, like, can I be 10 minutes better than another insurance company as opposed to, do I really need to be another Google? Like, is that what we need to be? Maybe, maybe they don't. And that's the that's the thing that's weird to people. That, you know, Brian, that's the thing. Everybody's just like, well, we need to be the next Google. That's the most uninspired thing that people <laughs> say, right? Because right. they're just like, I need to be the biggest thing that makes the most money. And it's like, yeah, we should all do that. That sounds fantastic. Right? But maybe you could get to know your customers first before you provide a digital experience they don't give it anyway. Yep, do yep. you have a mental model for the different clouds? Like, how can you? We all like to make fun of the different cloud service providers. Sure. How would you contrast them? Like, you know, as you're and I, like, I'm like AWS, I just think of a million little lozenges scattered all over the floor. And it's like, go pick, you know, it's like literally they, they it's like Jeff Bezos had change in his pockets and he just threw it and it was like, hey, help yourself, whatever you want. <laughs> and in Google Cloud, I'm just like, what else can we get inside that hamburger menu? Like, it eventually will approach <laughs> infinity. Like, how, what is your mental model when somebody's like, hey, what should I do with the cloud? You know, how do you guide them in one direction or another? So it's a couple things. So, I mean, I, I think the first thing is you, you sort of break down do you care about this thing a lot or do you kind of want to sort of outsource it, if you will, right? So this is your point of saying, how much stuff do you want to just be Salesforce or do you mm -hmm. want it to be WebEx or Zoom or whatever it is, right? And so that that sort of covers the, the sort of SaaS part of the world, which that part's actually easy. That's like, what do you want to do? Do you not want to do it? Cool, there's a SaaS for that. When you get into the, the sort of three or four big public clouds, on one hand, there's a good majority of the population that just sort of thinks they're all the same because we always lump them the same. We say, oh, it's AWS, Azure, and Google. And so they go, yeah, they all have all the stuff. It's the equivalent of like, I could go to Home Depot or I could go to Lowe's because I just need a hammer, whichever one's closer to me. In terms of their business, though, I, I think they do have some sort of distinct personalities, right? Like Amazon very much believes 
in general, if I have everything, you know, the psychology is you will come to me for, once you start working with us, you'll just come to me for everything. So they, they very much have this everything store mentality in AWS. And they're the first to tell you, like, some of it is really, really good. The stuff that's either been around for a while or some of it's really unique, like a Lambda or something. And other parts of it, I, I don't even think they hide anymore that they're just like, Last year I had 157 services and this year I have 193 and the next year I'll have 286 and like you'll just you you don't need to go anywhere else right so they're running out of pixels for those logos they, they like, really, actually, yeah, yeah they really you know their console is their console is going to be impossible especially to read. when you only have four colors but um, I mean there are stuff. you're right there are things like S3 that essentially sets the API for how object storage right. should work it, it is the world standard yeah yeah Microsoft I think is probably the one that has the, the most personality, I, I would say, in terms of there's part of what they do that's the Microsoft you've known forever. You know, So you're, you're buying Office 365 or they're bundling stuff like Teams so that they can compete against Slack. They do the things that they've always done. And then there's a part of them that's we're trying to be you know, the next generation of Microsoft and we support open source and we support, you know, Linux and stuff that you never would have, you know, seen from the Balmers and the and the Gateses of the world. And, and I think you know, Amazon and Azure wake up every single, like I wake up every day, go and look at Twitter for stuff. Those two wake up every day, look out their bedroom window at the other person and go, what did they do? Do I need to do that? Right? Like there's very much a fast follower between each one of them and some of them get ahead of the other. Google's the odd one out in that I always say this, and, and I, I don't mean it derogatory way, but like Google doesn't like to talk to people. Like Google people don't like to never talk have. to people. Never, it's never not in their, It's not in their the DNA. Yeah. And and so that's great if you're building maps or whatever, but when you're selling to the enterprise, like selling to the enterprise is about people and they're trying to figure out how do they do that, right? And so we've seen them, they're really good at data. Everybody loves their data services. Their networks are really fast. They're really good at the computer part of computering. And they're trying to figure out like, can we hire enough non-Google people, non-DNA people to run our cloud such that we can do the talking to people part? And, you know, they're kind of learning it with mixed results. and But they're the one that's kind of different because they've never, the people part of it has never been part of what they enjoy doing. But people like the data part. There's a kind of undercurrent here that I think our audience, I just want to call out for our audience, right? Which is, I think if you're a developer and you think about cloud services, you think about the utility of the cloud services. You know, is it e easy to figure out what I need to do and how I need to do it? And how is the console experience and so on? But the cloud service providers, and they care about that. Like they're humans. They, yeah. they know that there's a, but their lives are wrapped up in really big enterprise contracts with organizations like the United States government or General Electric, right? Like things right. like that. And and it's the difference between $2.49 a year from you or $250 million from somebody else, right? And so it's a tricky thing to hold in your mind when you're dealing with these, because they're kind of like weird pseudo operating systems at this point. Right. You go in mm -hmm. and you're digging around and you're like, who is this for? And it's like, it's kind of for you, the developer, but the energy and the new product development thinking is going a lot into what are the needs of the giant enterprise orgs. And I, I remember it took me a while to wrap my head around that because I kept seeing them almost as consumer products, but for devs. And that's actually not where the money's coming from. That's actually a big leap that a lot of these companies are making. At some point, I think it would be great to dig into this, like how many of these tools started out as dev tool, you're a dev, you get to know this, and then... When did that bit flip of now we're an enterprise tool and now we do enterprise mm -hmm. things? To one thing you were saying, like, Paul, that this is an interface. And Brian was saying, like, you know, some companies are good at the computing part of computers or whatever. 
You know, remember that company SolarWinds that was like responsible for the giant hack? They were really, really good at the people part. Like their enterprise sales team must have been just killer because they sold to everybody in government and every big tech company. And meanwhile, their security was just like nonsense. It was total, the technology was missing, but the enterprise sales on point. Oh, it's real. And that, and that one point is probably the, the tipping. I mean, like, so if you just said like, hey, what makes things kind of sit on one side of the fence? Security is probably the most easy thing to point to, right? So, you know, you start off as a super developer friendly kind of consumer type of thing. And then you go, well, okay, you want to put that application into production. What's the thing that, that potentially becomes your bottleneck? It's probably security. Um, because at some point somebody goes, what if we get hacked? Is there consumer data behind this? Is there credit card data somewhere? And you're like, dude, I don't care. I just wanted to push 10 times a day because I wanted to be able to speak at the O'Reilly conference. And that sounds cool. And you're like, yeah, but what happens when we end up on the front page of the Wall Street Journal or we end up on the top of Hacker News or you know whatever it is? Like security is probably that thing that does become the tipping point of like, am I an enterprise thing or am I just a super friendly developer thing? Because you know, it, it's not something you want to think about. You know, you have to, but some companies make it their their calling card, and other companies are like, "Yeah, we'll get around to it when we get around to it." Where is growth? Is it is it just going to be like ten more years of serving the enterprise for the different cloud services, or is it? Do you see them getting more interested in sort of wrapping things up for consumers so that you know your operating system and your day to day computing is happening more in their cloud? Like, I think they do, and I think. I mean, it's the it's the hard part about, you know, we used to have, you know, kind of silos, if you will, or sort of segments where certain companies would play in certain spaces, right? So you're never going to see Fortnite, you know, build Fortnite for General Motors, like that's never going to happen. But right. but if you you know if you go to an AWS reInvent show, um, it may not necessarily make the main keynote anymore, but there's still a whole section on you know, hey, I want to build cool games and here's how I, you know, build rendering engines. And here's, um, I don't know, the, you know, here's a company that's building an interesting social media for moms that want to be able to do, you know, kid play dates in, you know, certain city. Like there's still that thing that can be done in the public cloud, but it may not get, you know, nearly as much attention. And then the hard part of it is it used to be you could spin off a company, like some VC would go, hey, you have a great idea. You could spin off a company or, you know, start a new company. The hard part is nobody can afford to replicate an Amazon, Azure, or Google set of clouds. So you probably have to build it on top of somebody else. So they'll, I don't think right. we're ever going to see DigitalOcean for consumer gaming that they own the whole cloud thing. Like the economics don't work. But it doesn't mean somebody couldn't build that on an Azure or Google or you know, Oracle Cloud or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these interesting services come along that you know don't take that long to get to a really terrific yeah. scale, like a Twilio right. or something where they just like invest really in the telephony and the SMS and suddenly, you know, they have a big public business or even like Snowflake, you know, a new database idea can go from zero to IPO and was like five or six years or something right. like that. I mean, right. They're not replicating the whole cloud. They probably still rely in some way on one of those big three, but you can have a very large, you know, idea and a successful Actually, company. Out of curiosity, the giants like Netflix, because for a while, you know, Netflix was famously AWS, then it was like, we're going to build our own data centers. Do they stay in their own data centers or is it hybrid or are people migrating back to the clouds? Like I saw that Zoom made a big deal with Oracle and just in your head, like what are the limits for the really big orgs? Yeah, I, I think in general, and even Netflix, I don't think ever left AWS. They, sure. they just said, hey, you know, over time, they loved us. They they kept us. I think the stories of the company, you know, some big company like a Dropbox of moving back into their own data centers, like 
those are going to be really, really few and far between. The, sure. the trend is going to be, I move away from my own data center into the public cloud. Maybe I leverage multiple public clouds because you know, it could be a lot of things. We, we acquired companies. There were certain regions of the world that they didn't have a presence in and we needed to get there. That's more the trend that we'll see. I don't think we'll see every, every once in a while, the, like the, the new little trend we've seen for the last year or so is some, some company, it could be a Spotify, it could be a, you know, Twilio, it could be a Zoom or whatever. Those folks now have to put in like their, what is it, their S1 when they want to go up public, like where does you, where's your spend? And so yeah. they have to lay out like, hey, we have, you know, $100 million a year spend with Google, but we also have a, you know, $400 million commit over the, and, and that's really just accounting. But the cloud providers love to look at that and go, see, Spotify loves us and we solve every problem for Spotify. And it's like, no, dude, people love Spotify because they love music and they love how you personalize it. And yeah, all stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what computers they use has nothing to do with that. that Boy, you know. is that true? Or, or even what, I mean, Spotify desktop interface is something I like to complain about a lot, right? But it's there's the music. Yeah. I feel for my fellow content marketers doing those really ungainly things where it's like, this hip, cool service brought to you with the backbone of this enterprise company you don't care about. (laughs) Come on. There's a point where you get big enough that you you just stop. Like, you know, Verizon rarely comes in and it's just like, we enable so many emails. You know, it's just like, "Eh." No. Yeah. (laughs) But to Sarah's point earlier, I do wonder if there'll be a generation coming up the way, like, you know, people in their teens today don't think anything about creating their own website or building an app who will interface with the cloud. I know lots of young kids, their first experience is spinning up like a Minecraft server for folks to play in the neighborhood or Roblox is really huge now. My kids are obsessed and you can go on there and make your own game. And at a certain point, if it gets to a certain level, you're like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to take control of this in my own way. So maybe as people are able to spin things up quicker. And Sarah, when you mentioned Heroku, I thought immediately of the Bernie meme app, which oh, yeah. got so big, it crashed its Heroku instance, right? Like, really? This um, week? I didn't even ability, see that. Did yeah. that happen this weekend or this past week? It, it happened. I mean, it came back on. You know, they just had to flip a few more dials. Well, no, if they had put it, it in the cloud. It's actually more specific. Heroku reached out to help. But Google yeah. didn't, so it had to get shut down because the Google Maps API for putting for gluing Bernie on was too expensive for the <laughs> for the poor NYU student who was trying to do that. Yeah. So Heroku, like Heroku, got <laughs> in there. Good. They were just like, "Hey, what do you need, man?" Yeah, I think to your point. So you know, for the last decade, we, we've had to care about all these underlying plumbing things, right? With Kubernetes or it's AWS or whatever it was. I think we're now seeing this sort of new generation, which is if I'm a kid who, you know, wants to build something out, like let's say you're sitting at college and you, you want to sell sweatshirts with Bernie's meme on the front of it, whatever, like you're going to go, I'm going to set up a Shopify store, which will take me two clicks. That Shopify store will use Twilio to communicate with people. It'll use whatever it is for getting your credit card information. Like they'll think of these things, which are built on top of the cloud and have global scale and are one API away they won't even think to be like, I wonder how they work under the covers. They'll just be like, that's what everybody uses. And that's what I found on Stack Overflow as the you know 10 most common examples, or I found this in somebody. Like that's the next things that we're seeing is, you know, they're going to treat those things the way that people treated Heroku 10 years ago, which was like, oh, I need an app with a database and a whatever. They're going to look at them that way. There'll be a Minecraft API. There'll be a whatever API, that's the way they're going to build on stuff. They won't, yeah, they won't care about, is this on AWS or Google or whatever. I might have mentioned this on the show before. I can't remember because it really it, it really threw me when I first heard it. So I, I, I was talking to somebody who mentors a lot of young developers. And I was like, so what are they all into? And I, I was kind of expecting, I don't know, TypeScript, you know, or, or like some weird library React that components. I've never heard of. Or, 
yeah, WebAssembly on the server. I don't know, whatever it was going to be. And he's like, oh yeah, they're all they're all getting AWS certified. Like that, I'm like that's, and I, I literally was like, what's the new programming language? And he looked me in the eye and went, AWS certification. I was like, ah, like okay. <laughs> it's one of those moments where I just was like, oh okay, it's all changing again. It's not just going to be like when we all went to JavaScript. It's like no, people are starting to see. That as the on-road to getting a, a good middle-class career out of this industry. Right. Sarah, do you notice that on your teams, definitely, in coming to Stack Overflow for the first time? I met people like that who came on as a Salesforce administrator or you know, an AWS administrator, another good example. That's their on-ramp because you can learn that quickly, get a certification, which is required in the job description, and then you can move sideways into other you know, engineering jobs, which might be more interesting to you after a while. I haven't heard anything about the AWS certification, actually. This is the first time I've, I've heard of it. In the past, I think of like A plus and things like that, which is like networking, mm-hmm. uh, a networking certification. Like it's very weird, right? Because you think of if I was going to get AWS certified, isn't that kind of DevOps? Is that like a is that an on ramp or is DevOps a mm. thing? Well, I think it's like, what's the entry point that will get me the job the soonest? Yeah, it's a, it's a brand to put on your resume that'll get picked up in a search. And yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an interesting story. So I, like you, do podcasts. And about four or five years ago, we met these guys who at the time were two brothers. One was like in Austin and one was in Australia. They had formerly been at Microsoft. And they were like, hey, the, the training world isn't like doesn't service this thing we want to go after. And at the time, they were like, we're going to try and build a thing for people to learn AWS. And the thing that was interesting about their business was not that they were like, hey, we're going to create 100 courses and you can take these things, but they actually built it on top of AWS using this thing called Lambda or serverless. And so they, they literally built it in a way that they were like, everybody else does it such that they're like having to stream a bunch of content or they're having to run a bunch of servers. And they're like, I have no money. They've built this business that's now called A Cloud Guru or acloud.guru that the whole thing runs on top of Lambda. So they, they've built a whole AWS business to certify AWS on top of basically the cheapest AWS service. So they, they not only figured out how to service that thing that you're talking about, which is lots of people want the certification, but they figured out how to do it using the sort of like most cutting edge cloud stuff such that running their businesses, it's literally pennies, but like they don't spend a dime until people actually start engaging it. So it's, it's an interesting way of being like, oh, it's not only that trend is is important, but they figured out how to completely change sort of the training game because you know the underlying technology is there. So we're seeing these sort of like step on each other's shoulders or stand on each other's shoulders kind of things happening. The dot guru domain to me is always like so great. Well, it is. I mean, it's, it's also just like you know you're a young entrepreneur when you're like, <laughs> all right, I'll use dot guru because all the olds right. like uh, like me are just sort of like, oh no, not dot guru. <laughs> All right, everybody, today's Lifeboat Badge winner, somebody who got an answer score of 20 or more from a question that was going to the dustbin of history, Leo Nerd, awarded yesterday, capture the output of Pearl System, parentheses. So thank you, Leo Nerd. That is a lifeboat and a half right there. Yeah. Yeah. I am Ben Popper, director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper, and you can email us podcast at stackoverflow.com. And I'm Sarah Chips, Director of Community here at Stack Overflow. And you can find me at Sarah Joe on GitHub. Brian, if people want to get in touch, what should they do? Sure. At B Gracely uh, on Twitter. Or uh, if you want to check out the Cloudcast podcast, we do a weekly show uh, talking about all sorts of things cloud computing. 
All right, I'm typing it in and hitting that follow button right now. Appreciate it. Nice. Like and subscribe. Leave a review for Brian or us. Exactly. Terrific. Got it. Matched it. Uh, All right, no, everybody. I didn't say who I was. Ben. We don't Most know who that is. Know. Oh, Paul. I'm sorry, Paul. Go. Uh, my name is Paul Ford. I'm the co-founder of a software firm called Postlight. Check us out online. We are hiring. And I would love to hear from you. Yes. Thanks. Terrific. Terrific.